Hello everyone, this is BPI Trade and you are listening to Traders Takedown, a podcast that tackles the latest news and updates in the Philippine stock market. Hosted by market experts from the research and sales team who will help transform complex market stories into easy-to-understand investment ideas. So tune in and allow us to help you cut through the noise and make well-informed investment decisions anytime, anywhere. Good day, this is Hodge Narvaez of BPI Securities. I'd like to thank you all again for tuning in to our latest podcast. Of course, we're talking about all things in the Philippine stock market. We're happy that you could join us today. We obviously have a very exciting discussion lined up for you today. We have with us here, Christelle Parungao. She is the power utilities slash conglomerates analyst for BPI Trade. So we're very much excited to have her here with us today. She's got a very attractive and interesting and very popular stock that she's going to discuss today. We're obviously going to be discussing ASEN. I think this is a name that's very much familiar to everyone. It's a name that we've written a lot about. We've also featured it in a lot of our webinars. So I think we're very happy to be discussing this today. You know, before we start, and as we do this podcast, obviously there are a lot of you know geopolitical events that are obviously impacting the market. We've seen quite meaningful uh, swings in share prices today. We've seen also sharp movements in commodity prices. And obviously, this is impacting share prices and investors' views on the market. So that said, we just wanted to mention the people that are impacted by what's happening in Ukraine are very much in our thoughts and prayers. And we sincerely hope for a peaceful resolution to the issues and the events occurring in Ukraine. So with that, we'd like to go ahead with some Q&A on the company and Crystal's report. So let me go ahead with that. Thank you. So Crystal, how are you doing today? Hi, Hodge. I'm doing fine. I'm currently working from home. So I think it's very hot today compared to the past <laughs> few days where we've seen some rain. So yeah. Thank you, Hodge. Okay, great, great, great. I guess before we start, I kind of had a few questions already. Let me go ahead and fire away. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to be discussing ASEN, so AC Energy. So I think this is a stock that's very familiar with a lot of people. We've featured this company a lot in the reports, and we've also held a few company events slash webinars for our clients. So it's quite timely, and I'm sure this is something clients are going to appreciate. For the benefit of those who don't know the company, perhaps could you tell us again a bit about the company and tell me the three reasons why you like the stock at the moment? Yeah, sure, Hodge. So AC Energy or ASEN is the energy platform of the Ayala Group. The company has a total of approximately 1.7 gigawatts of attributable capacity in the Philippines and overseas as of end 2021 per our estimates. Uh, the company's renewable share of capacity is at around 70% among the highest in the region. ASEN's aspiration is to be the largest renewables platform in Southeast Asia with the goal of reaching 5,000 megawatts of renewable capacity by 2025. ASEN also has a commitment to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. First, I like ASEN given the rapid growth of their power generation portfolio and their focus on renewable energy. Second would be its diverse market. ASEN is aggressively expanding, not just here in the Philippines, but also overseas like Australia, 
Vietnam, India, and Indonesia. Third would be its unique position to capitalize on industry trends such as the falling costs of RE generation and plant construction, a recovery in energy demand post-pandemic, attractive power supply demand conditions in the key markets where it operates, and increasingly supportive regulatory climates that should benefit RE players like ASEN. Okay, Crystal. So I wanted to latch on to that discussion. I think you talked about ASEN obviously having about 1.7 gigawatts or over 1,700 megawatts of attributable capacity. I guess my question is, how do you expect that to evolve in terms of, I guess, the next few years? What's the kind of growth that you're expecting in terms of, you know, from 1.7 gigawatts? Where do you think that will be in 2025? I guess, is this one of the more impressive expansions that you're expecting to see over the medium term? Uh, yeah, for, well, in terms of total capacity, ASEN's attributable installed capacity at 1.7 gigawatts with 1.2 gigawatts renewable currently uh, is quite small when you compare it to the other large power players in the Philippines. I think AP has about 3.9 gigawatts, SMC has about 4.5 gigawatts of installed capacity, while FGEN has 3.5 gigawatts. Uh, but in terms of renewable capacity, ASEN has the biggest piece of the pie with 1.2 gigawatts attributable to the company. AP has only 900 megawatts as of end 2021. SMC has one hydro plant with 200 megawatts capacity, while FGEN has 700 megawatts in attributable renewable energy capacity. In terms of regional peers, I think ASEN is behind some power companies in India with Tata Power having 2.6 gigawatts in installed RE capacity and JSW, also in India, having 1.4 gigawatts. Nonetheless, ASEN has the largest pipeline of RE capacity in the region with a target of 5 gigawatts by 2025. Uh, with its aggressive pipeline in the medium to long term, ASEN is really on its way in becoming the largest renewables platform in Southeast Asia. In our estimates, we think that ASEN is very ahead of their targets by 2025. So we're forecasting 5.5 gigawatts attributable capacity by 2025 and 9.6 gigawatts by 2030. So it's really, they really have an aggressive growth pipeline, which would support their sustainable long-term growth. Yeah, got it. I guess what investors seem to have focused on, and, and I guess it's really the fact that you know, when you think of power nowadays, really renewable energy is where there's really a lot of attraction. Obviously, I think you would agree, right, Christelle? I mean, when you look at the possibilities, quite attractive. You have obviously a lot of institutional money interested in exposure to the clean energy space. But then you also have technological factors, right, that are kind of making it more attractive to get into renewable energy, falling cost of producing power, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, we're hearing of storage and things like that. So I guess it's in a very attractive space. You would agree? Yeah, correct. So ASIN is really well positioned to benefit from the global growth in, in renewable energy, which has been, as you mentioned, boosted by falling construction and operational costs due to efficiency gains and technological improvements. In the past decade, levelized costs of solar and wind energy, which includes cost of building the power plant and operating it over its lifetime, declined by 89% and 70% respectively. 
we think that ASIN will continue to benefit from the learning curves in the industry, continues to ramp up its RE pipeline, enabling ASIN to improve its margins in the, in the long term. In addition, the downside of ASIN's reliance on intermittency of wind and solar technologies will be augmented by its plans to invest in battery systems. Recently, ASIN switched on the country's first hybrid solar and energy storage project. So the project is configured to store electricity when the solar plant is generating power but demand is low and provide rapid power charging when demand is high. So we're quite excited to see if ASIN would continue to develop these kinds or build these kinds of hybrid solar and energy storage projects to further augment the intermittency of their solar and wind plants. Thanks, Crystal. I guess we're early in this development. If you look at the pipeline and what they have so far, we're pretty early in the process huh, of building out the capacity. I mean, there's still a lot on the way, you'd say, right? Uh, yeah, right now, about 1.2 gigawatts. So yeah. the remaining would be 3.8 gigawatts until 2025. Yeah. But I guess they have a lot of plants down the road, especially in Australia. They're building the largest solar plant, I guess, in Australia, about 520 megawatts. I think it will be operating by next year. You also have very large plant here in the Philippines, San Marcelino Farm. It's about 230 megawatts, but I guess ASIN has plans to expand it about uh, up to 300 or 400 megawatts wow. down wow. the road. So yeah, it's really early on, but yeah, they're really on track in achieving the 5 gigawatts target. And I think management indicated earlier this year that they are that they will be achieving this goal earlier and they will be, or sooner, they will be announcing their 2030 aspirations. Yep. If you notice with ASEN, I guess they're not just looking locally and they really want to be regional, arguably even a global player. If it was just regional, they, you know, they would be sticking just to ASEAN, but they're, you know, they're looking at Australia, for example. They've already, they're actually in the process of building it out there. What's the attraction of like Vietnam and Australia? Is it regulatory, economic growth? I guess from what you've seen so far, what's the attraction of these markets? For ASEN's uh, expanded 18 gigawatts RE pipeline, 8.1 gigawatts of which will be coming from Australia and uh, 2.6 gigawatts will be coming from Vietnam. I think ASEN really targets overseas markets which have market-friendly regulatory backdrop. But for Vietnam specifically, I think they have some similarities with the Philippine market wherein they also have fit rates. So they have specific tariffs for their solar and wind projects there in Vietnam, which would enable ASEN a more predictable revenue and cash flow stream over the long term. However, instead of power plants directly selling their generated capacity to consumers directly, I think power plants would have to sell their output to the Vietnamese government. Uh, so it's ASEN's strategy to partner with companies there that are more familiar with the regulatory climate. Same goes for Australia. They're really building partnerships just like in with UPCAC. So they're, yeah. uh, they're really relying on professional expertise in their local markets. For their power supply dynamics, the Vietnamese government aims to boost existing capacity in their grid uh, to mitigate the risk of severe power shortages as incremental demand outpaces the construction of new plants. On the other hand, for Australia... It is a very mature market. So just like the Philippines, they also have a spot market. And then Australia is really pushing to retire their coal plants early. 
and that's where ASEN plans to place itself nicely to address potential power supply yeah. gaps and gaps in the country. Uh, also, I think that the Australian government incentivizes investments in renewables by requiring high energy users to source part of their demand from RE. Yeah, so I would say it's pretty attractive, right, for mm-hmm. yeah. uh, those focused on renewable energy. And I guess Vietnam, it's still got an attractive medium-term growth story, right? You know, it's a country that exports a lot. It's, mm-hmm. uh, Correct. it's high growth. So I guess yeah. when, you're, when you're big on manufacturing, I suppose you tend to be more energy intensive, right? So yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It really seems like it would be a very attractive market. Moving over to, I guess, local matters. What's happening now, like locally? What's the industry backdrop now? What are we seeing with the power supply demand situation? Because mm-hmm. I guess for everyone's benefit, typically what we see, right, when power supply demand situation is quite tight, tends to be positive for spot market rates. And uh, mm-hmm. obviously yeah. there are some power firms that do sell to the spot market. I mean... You obviously probably had some interruptions, right, in construction, development of plants, given the lockdowns. I mean, what's the supply-demand situation? How do you expect that to play out in the next two, three years? And how is, I guess, the improving mobility affecting the market? How is that going to affect the stock, in your view? Well, for the supply-demand tightness that we are experiencing, I think it's really due to the lack of meaningful capacity additions amidst a resilient growth in electricity consumption. Last year, electricity consumption is already on an uptrend with peak demand up by 6%, notwithstanding the lingering impact of the pandemic and the imposition of mobility curbs. You're right, Hodge. We likewise observed yellow and red alerts for the Luzon grid last year, owing to thin power reserves. I think that the situation will persist and supply conditions will remain tight in the near to medium term as power demand continues to recover with the easing of restrictions. This may also be exacerbated by the growing list of aging power plants on the grid and the persisting Malampaya gas supply restrictions. I guess when it comes to improving mobility, the impact of that on ASEM, it would translate to higher electricity consumption, meaning higher revenues for the company. You're right also when with the recovery of the power demand, we may see some upticks in the in spot prices. But however, for ASEN, since it's currently a net buyer in the spot market right now, then ASEN's margins would probably take a slight hit on their margins. But then we expect that by 2023, ASEN would now be a net seller in the spot market as it continues to ramp up its power portfolio here in the Philippines. And yeah, and they could benefit from the spot price optics, and at least in the medium term. Interesting, interesting. I totally agree with your points. Moving on, at the moment, I guess typically the question we get from maybe some institutional clients is about the valuations of the company, right? And they always cite, I guess it's always a balancing act. You have companies that trade at fairly high multiples, but they have growth. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this company has a lot of growth in the pipeline. Execution will be key, but I think we've seen historically they've done a tremendous job of delivering on their expansion plans. I guess from a multiple standpoint, why do you think it's (laughs) justified? Maybe just give us context. I guess companies 
in the renewable energy space, you see these companies that trade that I guess fairly higher multiples than your traditional mm-hmm. power companies. So right now, ASIN is currently trading at 28 times 2022 EV EBITDA, a premium to the peer average of 22 times. But I think some of its regional peers are trading at even higher multiples. We have BPP or Banpu Power in Thailand, which is trading at 62 times 2022 EV EBITDA. And Gulf Energy, also in Thailand, trading at 35 times 2022 EV EBITDA. So our target price for ASEAN, yeah, you're right. We have buy rating on a stock with the target price of 1270 per share. So this implies 2022 EV EBITDA of 39 times. We think that ASEAN deserves to trade at higher multiples given its stronger medium-term growth trajectory versus its peers, its deep pipeline of projects that should enable the company to generate sustainable long-term growth, and its focus on clean energy and commitment to achieve net zero emissions by 2050 that should translate to falling costs of renewable energy. A lot of the value of ASEN comes from its pipeline and its long-term story. So it would really have steep multiples at this point. But given the Ayala's clear strategy and track record, we think that ASEN could really execute its game plan and reach its target pipeline in the long term. So it's really a bet on their ability to execute their game plan. Yeah, and I think management recently indicated that ASEN's portfolio is expected to reach 5 gigawatts. And yeah, I'm quite excited to to learn more about their 2030 aspirations. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So I guess what you're saying is, you know, maybe compared to other people who've been looking at the stock, you've kind of tried to capture or reflect the growth pipeline, right? And you feel quite confident about it, right, Crystal? Yeah, I think the consensus estimates right now don't really take into account yet the expanded 18 gigawatt pipeline beyond the initial target of ASEN's 5 gigawatts RE capacity by 2025. So that's what we're really looking at right now, the long-term growth of the stock. There's also a lot of interest, I guess, in renewable energy. I mean, you're quite comfortable with the medium-term story, right? You still think there are a lot of tailwinds for Mm -hmm. investments and RE and I guess the whole potential flows into more and more renewable energy, right? Yeah, correct. (laughs) Interesting, interesting. Well, I think you heard it, right? So currently, what's the upside you're looking at at the moment? Right now, the current price is at 8.3. So it's about 53% upside. 53, okay. Okay. So yeah, it sounds like a lot of upside. When you look at it versus the market now, you know, we're looking, I think Jello's talked about a target above 8,500. But that said, probably potential upside 20%. I guess it's safe to say we're looking at ASEN being one of the potential outperformers, right? It is justified, I guess, one of our topics here for BPI trade in the coming 12 months. So quite interesting. Well, Krista, I wanted to thank you again for the for the insights on ASEN. Very interesting. Obviously, it's a stock that we've been following a lot. And I think a lot of our listeners and people who follow BPI Second Trade have been following very closely as well. Looks like it's going to be a very exciting medium-term story. Obviously, a lot of plans that have already been announced, but obviously there still seems to be a lot of room to even, you know, look at a lot of opportunities. So I guess still a lot of potential investments and a a very strong growth opportunity for ASEN. So thank you so much. 
Is there anything else you wanted to add on the stock or you feel like you've gone through the major points? Yeah, that's it, Paj. <laughs> great, great, great. Thank you so much, Chriselle. I guess before we end this, I wanted to thank everyone again for listening in on this podcast. We're really appreciative of your time and also the feedback that you give us with regards to all the content that we provide, including podcasts, uh, webinars. And we hope you continue to follow us as we bring you more and more interesting stories and takes on items or news that potentially will move the market. I'd like to wish you all a wonderful rest of the day and look forward to continuing our dialogue with you. Thank you so much. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the podcast creators, hosts, and guests and do not necessarily reflect the policies and position of BPI Securities Corporation or its other employees. Any content provided does not intend to malign any group, individual, or anything. This podcast episode is purely for informational purposes only and shall not be construed as a solicitation to buy or sell any securities, futures, options, and or other financial instruments. To participate in any particular trading strategy or to provide any investment advice or service. Any recommendation herein does not pertain to any specific investment objective, financial situation, or any particular need of the listeners.